Welcome to Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co-host is Joe Taylor. This is episode 58. Welcome back, man, as always. Good to see you, Joe. Yeah, you too. Hey, I have a quick question for you. What happened to Quibi? Did that just come and go? It's still out there. Is it? I mean, it, it gets mocked daily on Twitter. Oh. No one, no, yeah. one has, no one has come up to me anywhere and been like, hey, man. Did you watch that Quibi show? That person does not exist. No, no. I saw some ads and I was like, oh, Reno 911. I'd like to see that. And then I just forgot about it. So did they stop advertising or what? I think it's a bomb. Really? I mean, yeah. if we're not reviewing it, really, does it have any cred? Does it even exist? Exactly. If a tree falls in the woods, does our podcast exist? <laughs> Before we get started, though, I've got some good news. Oh, good news sounds real welcome right now. What do you got? We have a guest. I heard, yeah. I watched uh, this movie last week. This is an indie that went to Netflix called Rich Kids, and we are lucky to have writer-director Laura Summers on the phone with us. Hi, Laura. Hi. Thank you guys for having us, having me. Well, thank you. We um, we both have seen the movie and liked it a lot, and you know, I heard about it through Film Independent, so I know a little bit more about it and how... I mean, it was a very small-scale project, obviously, but... It sure didn't look like it. Thank you. That's when you get really talented people that agree to come on board to uh, make your vision happen. So I'm super lucky. Yeah. And you had a great cast too. Now, most of the actors you used, or maybe even all of them were pretty fresh faces, right? Yes. A lot of them were from Houston. Some of them have had a couple of guest starring roles on television and uh, some of them just had high school um, theater experience. None of them had ever been in a feature film before and definitely not, you know, starring roles like they all had. Well, I have to say you got some great performances out of them. Thank you. I mean, for we were saying they didn't have that much experience. Yeah. They really came across. And by the end of the movie, I mean, I was blown away by the performances you get out of them. Thank you. For me, it was the best part of the movie. I liked it overall, but the performances are what really just yeah. stuck with me. That was my goal, was to make sure that of everything that we had with the film, that the acting would be the best part of it. Because, you know, when you have a low-budget project, you don't have a, a fancy special effects and stuff like that and explosions and everything and a lot of money and certainly don't have, you know, celebrities to kind of help your film, but... If you can get um, amazing, heartfelt performances from people, then you've got something special. Well, you so. certainly got that. The other thing that, as I'm watching it, I was like, I don't know where they are in America. And I liked that because to me, it felt like it could be anywhere in this country this story was taking place. I mean, we live in Los Angeles, and I go, well, this isn't Los Angeles. And I had no idea you, you shot in Houston. Yeah. But I felt the movie had an anywhere America feel to it, and I really liked that. Thank you. I really wanted that to come across, actually, because I think, like, people, you know, everywhere are experiencing economic inequality. We all have this dream of wondering what other people that have lives better than ours are like. And so 
to not be super specific about place just kind of leaves it open to be universal, you know, a universal story. Yeah. Now, how did you end up in Houston? What took you there? Well, I'm from there. The neighborhood that the film took place in was the neighborhood I grew up in. And the house is my childhood home. Oh, no way. <laughs> it's a nice house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's using your house in a great way. I was going to ask you, now, how'd you get the house? And oh, wow. Yeah. Perfect. As an independent filmmaker, you know, the most important thing that we can do to help ourselves make our super low budget films is to think about what do we have at our disposal that's free. So I had this wonderful house and I thought, what kind of story could I tell? And the story actually was based on something real that happened um, Mm. in the house where some kids broke into the house and, you know, stayed for a period of time and partied and kind of really enjoyed themselves. And then it did, you know, the major events that happened in the film actually did happen. To your house. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's an idea just thrown right at you. Yeah. How old were you when this happened? Was this, was you were a child? No, this was like, you know, 10 years ago that this okay. happened. And, um, you know, I wasn't living there anymore. And my family, they had been trying to sell the house. And, you know, it was just during the, the bubble and, um, you know, houses weren't selling. And they had left the house kind of abandoned and they had moved out to the country, but they would kind of come back and forth. But everybody in the neighborhood, the house already, we, we have been there since I was, you know, five years old. And so we've been there for 40 years that, you know, and um, the house was like a legend in the neighborhood. Everybody knew about it. People always talked about it and just always wondered what it was like. And people would break in constantly when we would go out of town. So once the house kind of became abandoned and the break-ins really escalated, and that was the time when these kids broke into the house and this story happened. But now the house is a, is a star of a movie. Yeah. Not only is it famous in your neighborhood, now it's famous, period. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you yeah. got it. So when are you going to be out of town again? No, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the crazy thing is that um, when I decided to write this story with my friend David and shoot it there, you know, my parents were in the midst of they finally had gotten a real estate agent and they were like, we are going to sell this house. And I said, well, look, I'm writing this script right now and I really want to shoot a movie there. If you get an opportunity to sell the house, just go ahead and do it. Don't worry about me, but I'll work as fast as I can to get it done. So we were able to shoot there and the like literally a week after we filmed there, they sold it. So it's a whole new family and I hope they're not getting, you know, harassed by a ton of people. Right. Yeah, that brought a lot to it. Like Demo said, it did feel like anyone's neighborhood. Tell us a little bit. I have I have a thousand questions I want to ask you about the production process, but that's, you know, maybe for another time. What happened after the movie was finished? It went to some festivals and then how did Netflix come into play? I mean, this is kind of a small fish for them. That's that's kind of why I heard about it. Yeah, I, oh my God, I know. It's just an absolute miracle that it made it there. But um, the way it worked, the short story is that, you know, we literally spent a year and a half on the festival circuit going to as many festivals as we could. We won about 16 awards and pushed really hard to kind of get the word out there and build the word of mouth. And everywhere we went, people loved the movie. And I just was knocking on doors, trying to find a sales agent. And then also I started knocking on doors of executives of like larger production companies and 
And in fact, I got an executive at one of the major studios. I got his email and I said, if you care, truly care about Latinos, you know, representation in Hollywood, then I'd really like you to look at my film. I don't think it's necessarily a film that you guys would distribute, but I'd love for you to see the actors in this movie so they'll be on your radar and maybe you could find a place for them in some project that you're going to do in the future. And he watched it and he loved the movie and he brought me in and he said, I really, he said, we can't take your film, but I do want to help you. And so then he ended up getting us with a sales agent that was just the perfect fit. And that sales agent, we went to Cannes last May and they just tried selling, you know, tried getting it. And then they got it with a domestic distributor called ITN. Mm -hmm. And then ITN took it to AFM last November and that's where they sold it off to Netflix. So, you know, we got released in February, uh, a week before the show Hentified, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but that's a kind of similar, like it's all Latino cast. It's a Netflix series. And so I have a feeling that Netflix saw rich kids and thought, you know, that would be like a good partnership between those two films. Because once you finish binge watching Hentified, you're going to need another Latino youth show to watch. Right. You know, they just can recommend rich kids. You know what I mean? So yeah. And it's been amazing because um, my cast has gotten so much fan mail from people, just lots of messages on Twitter and Instagram, just about how much they love the movie. And these are the young Latino viewers who are on Netflix, who we didn't find when we went to the film festivals. And I thought, God, those are the people that I really want to get to, you know, because this movie is for them. I mean, you can't reach a bigger audience than Netflix right now. Right? I know. That's it. If you want your movie to be seen, I mean, it's great to get a theatrical distribution. Everyone wants that. But for an independent movie to get on Netflix, boom, that's what you want. It's just incredible. Every day, I just I just can't believe it, you know. Speaking again about your, your kind of young, sort of inexperienced cast, do you feel like working with actors who are earlier in their careers? Because, I mean, we've worked with, you know, complete non-actors before, versus people who have spent two decades in uh, acting class. Did you feel like that brought some extra honesty to the film? I think so, yeah. I really enjoy working with that age group because I think they've had a little bit of experience, like I said, like maybe with theater in high school or something, or maybe they've done a couple of things here or there, but they're so fresh and they're excited and they have these, they're just so open hearted. You know what I mean? They haven't been jaded by life yet. And so give and them time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Keep them away from LA. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fun. let them come to LA. <laughs> One of them has moved to LA since the film. He is doing incredible. The, the, the young man who plays Carlos. Ulysses Montoya. Okay. Right. He moved here and within a month got a manager. He was already on Better Call Saul. He actually did, you know, I'm not going to say who, but he did audition for an Oscar nominated director and had a chemistry audition for that person. Oh, great. Wow. So he's doing really good. You know, <laughs> isn't good. that incredible? Yeah. So yeah, so back to that. Yeah, I just, I love their open heartedness and their willingness to give it everything that they have. You know, I think like a person who's a little bit more experienced, including myself, like we want to work, but then we want to end our day at the 12 hour mark and go home to our families. We've got stuff going on. We don't necessarily want to live our film 24 seven, but they 
they were always on set. Even if they weren't called that day, they wanted to be there and be with each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> they fell in love with each other and they became best of friends and they were always pulling pranks on each other on set. And it was just the greatest experience of their lives in my life. You know what I mean? Like to, to be able to be with them and witness them. That's great. Well, it, it seemed like it was probably a fun set. I mean, a lot of it was party scenes. So I imagine it was it was fun to shoot and yeah, hang uh, out. Only teenagers would uh, steal Midori Sour and try to get <laughs> drunk on that. You know, that's actually inspired by my best friend and I when we were probably 12 years old. We broke into her mother's liquor cabinet and stole the Midori and acted like we were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You had to have a lot of that to get any kind of buzz going, I would imagine. Yeah, it never happened. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we were are we drunk? Are we drunk? You know what I mean? But, <laughs> that was just a little nod to her. And she was so excited when she saw that mom. She's like, ah! It's us! <laughs> oh, no. It spoke to me. Believe me. I've been there. Definitely. <laughs> good, good, good. What are you working on now? What's up next? Well, I'm working on gaining my quarantine 15. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Who isn't? No. Um, well, I did spend last year developing a elevated sci-fi zombie script that actually has the same kind of social issue themes that rich kids have. And um, I had hooked up with a producer from another rewrite project that I had done. And we just really enjoyed working together and wanted to do something together. And so... I reached out to this sci-fi writer that I loved and I, you know, we managed to convince him to write a script. So we did that and we were actually just about to start taking it out to see if we could get a co-production team to come on board. Mm -hmm. Everything kind of shut down and we kind of talked about it and decided that it just wasn't a good idea to go out right now because nobody can pull a trigger and we need somebody that's ready to go, you know. But I'm really excited about this film. I grew up loving horror films and sci-fi. I'm right with you. Yes. Oh my God. As this whole stuff has been going on with the pandemic, it has been crazy just looking at how our film relates to what people are doing right now. And and this is just really teaching me so much that if we do get the opportunity to make this film, I'm going to just bring everything that we're going through right now into that story. And it's just, it's insane. You know, once that new film is out there, will you come back and talk to us again? Oh, you bet. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For sure. We always grade everything. I mean, the title of our podcast is Binge or Purge. We always give everything a either a binge or a purge. Obviously, this is a binge for us. We both really liked it. So thanks so much for talking to us about it. Laura Summers, director and co-writer of Rich Kids, streaming now for everyone on Netflix. Laura, thank you so much for being on Binge or Purge. We really appreciate it. Oh, it was a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. That was cool of her to take the time and call in and talk to us. Again, Rich Kids streaming on Netflix. It's a total binge. Okay, real quick. I've got something I want to mention that Jess actually told me about. The uh, Lennox Hill docuseries that I like so much put out a bonus episode that they shot during the COVID stuff. Because that was one of the things I mentioned about the series is that it all took place prior to like February. So it would have been really interesting to see how that hospital handled uh, the COVID uh, pandemic stuff. Well, they gave us that. And uh, that episode 
not surprisingly, is fantastic. You did watch it. Yeah, I did. It was actually one of the best episodes. I mean, because the stakes were the highest. I was going to say, must have a real sense of urgency. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, these guys that typically do elective neurosurgery um, or non-emergency neurosurgery were like covering the phones and stuff. I mean, they really had to all hands on deck over there in New York. So it was great. I mean, I gave it a binge last time, but I'll give it one more if you'd like. Sure. Now we have some not so good news. A listener slash friend of ours recommended a uh, small independent movie. And I was really excited because this is a guy that's given me some good recommendations before. This wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. So pretend you're a movie executive. I'll pitch you this. Okay. You like Kevin James, right? From Grown Ups and King of Queens. Oh, yes. He's a great comedic actor. Tell me more. Now, what if you had him with a giant swastika tattooed on his head as a big badass from prison who breaks out and is a ba- total bad guy. Wait, I'm supposed to think Kevin James is playing a heavy? Yeah. No, I'm out. I'm uh, out, man. Wait, He's a comedian. I, wait, I have more. I have more. Uh, Joel McHale's in it. This is like a thriller drama, by the way, I should say. You've already told me two comedians, and you're telling me it's a thriller drama. Well, what I really want to tell you is that it's not a thriller drama. It is a comedy, but that's not what they were after. This was awful. It's called Becky. It's on Amazon. I had to actually rent this thing for like three or four bucks. You paid money? Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, this guy's given me good recommendations before, but he really screwed me on this one. Also, as a general rule, and I know we break our rules all the time, but we try not to recommend things that people have to pay for. Well, it'll, just it'll say, be free soon. By the time this airs, I'm sure it'll be free or gone completely, hopefully. Anyway, if you think that Kevin James can carry a thriller or you buy him as a white supremacist that broke out of prison and is terrorizing Joel McHale and his family, then this is for you. Otherwise, this is not for me. Well, I don't know who it's for, but I mean, the fact that it just landed on Amazon like our movie did, I mean, nobody would take it, so... I don't know. This is Becky on Amazon. The poster looks cool. You might like both those guys that I mentioned. And actually, the girl that plays the lead, her name is Lulu Wilson. She's good. I mean, there's plenty of things that are not awful about this movie, but the script and the casting just tank it. Just skip Becky, please. Purge. I wasn't going to watch it to begin with because I never even heard of it. Well, yeah, there's a reason. But now if I'm scrolling around and I come across it, I know, stay away from Becky! Well, it had three writers. That's always a bad sign. Oh, yeah. I like a movie with one writer and they have a vision. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to like, okay, we got to go through the script doctors and, you know, I get story credit. By the time you get to the end of it, you're like, it's it's not what it started out as. Ours had five writers, to be fair. <laughs> ours, ours did have five writers. But that's exactly the point you're trying to make, I think, so. Yeah. More writers, more mess. All right, let's get back to me here. Yes, please. All right, I have a new Netflix original series. It's 10 episodes, though actually only nine. And I'll get to that in just a moment. It's History 101. I saw a poster for this. It looks kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's little bites of news, like little history nuggets. Okay, each episode is about 20 minutes long. You can cruise through these. I watched them all in one sitting. I was like, all right, I'm just going to burn through these. Like I said, 10 episodes, but only nine. It literally goes from eight to 10. And you're like, where's nine? So I looked up on the internet and there's a whole episode about AIDS that is not there. 
been canceled. Somehow. Like, it, it lists it. If you go on IMDb, it lists episode nine. But when you go to Netflix, it's gone. Now, do you have, serious question, do you have, like, parental controls on your Netflix or something? No. I have no okay. parental controls. No, right. None of that. And this is this is a very PG show. There's nothing. This is just pure news stuff. Now, every episode is different. The first one is fast food. Second one is the space race, the rise of China, plastics, oil in the Middle East, robots, feminism, nuclear power, and genetics. So it's just like a magazine type, like a 2020 or something? Like, like a 60, 60 Minutes, minutes type yeah, thing. Yeah. But okay. there's no interviews in it. It's all archival footage oh. and infographics. So like Ken Burns or something. No, no, no. Ken Burns has interviews and voiceovers. This has one woman that narrates, and it is primarily infographics, man. I mean, pie charts and graphs and just, you know, just the Empire State Building holds 8 million gallons of oil. And if you multiply that times 10,000, that's how many people died in the war in Iraq. You know, it's all this like Is one of these buttons a snoring button? That equals 80 billion. This is kind of good. Look it, here's the thing. You can do 20 minutes. Now, they're not all fascinating, but I did find uh, the one about plastics and the rise of China and their economic prowess to be pretty interesting. Also, the genetics one was kind of cool and nuclear power. I thought the space race was kind of whatever. It's basically how the United States competed with Russia during the Cold War. Nothing mind-blowing here and stuff. that It's like a little refresher of history. And it's done by this British company, uh, but like I said, with an American voiceover. And look it, it's it's interesting. If you look, if you find something that piques your okay, I, I want to know more about like oil in the Middle East and the history of how you know Europe basically divvied up the oil in the Middle East, and no one in the Middle East knew what they were doing, and then finally they got wind of it, and that's where all our problems come from. Okay. Also, you know, oil plays into plastics because plastics is developed from oil. They're all kind of connected in a weird way because guess what? So is life. Life and history of the world is all kind of connected. Okay. I, right. I, know, Sounds, I know you're bored yeah. by hey, this. Hey, you know what? My, um, seriously, my 12-year-old nephew does online uh, social studies classes for school. I'll bet mm-hmm. we could get you the login. You could watch, watch that. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. You know what? If you want just a little refresher on something of how a nuclear reactor works, watch this. Okay. And it does pose like, you know, are these things good? Don't, don't, he's making a, he's shaking his head at me right now, everybody. Like, <laughs> I want to be done with this. I'm just saying it, it does like pose like, are these things good? Are these things bad? You know, it's like nuclear power. Great. Nuclear power, bad. It, it leaves it up for interpretation. They anyway, don't, they don't have some kind of agenda. It sounds like there's some kind of, there might be to... a light agenda. I, I, other than like the fact that the ocean is way full of garbage. They do have a guy scuba diving through just like a, a trash heap in the ocean the size of Texas. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay. Anyway, All some right. interesting stuff in it. You know, the fast food one doesn't really tell you much you don't already know. But there's little nuggets of, oh, I didn't know that. So I'm going to say History 101, streaming on Netflix, it's a light binge. Now, this could end up being like one of those things where I'll watch a couple of them and then I'll accuse you of underselling it next week. So I'm sure we'll see. I'm sure you be like, hey, man, it was great. Like, isn't yeah. that how it always works? I have a nugget for you and then you pish posh it, <laughs> right? Pish posh, Demo, pish posh. And then you sometimes. end up watching it like, oh, I stand corrected. Yeah, sometimes I do. That's that's a fact. Um, what are you looking forward to? Okay, 
What was my favorite show since we've started this? Uh, the Boys. Yes. On Amazon. You got it right. Thank you. Good guess, Joe. <laughs> I wasn't it's, guessing. I was here. I know. Prepared. I know. I was remembering. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming back for season two officially on September 3rd. September 4th. Now, the only thing is they're going to drop the first three episodes and then the remaining five will be released weekly, which I applaud. I went on Twitter, people like, eh, I don't want it that way. I want to watch it on the weekend. Eh. There's a lot of whiners out there about how they get their television, okay? <laughs> right. I, for one, am a traditionalist. As you know, I do like the weekly uh, release of episodes. But like I said, they're going to do the first three, and then the remaining five will be weekly. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Like I said, The Boys on Amazon Prime was my favorite show last year. But not till September is it coming back. Correct. Okay. Something to look forward to because let's face it, we're still going to be stuck at home. I think so. Um, I'm looking forward to something that's much more immediate because it came out uh, less than 24 hours ago. That's the new Will Ferrell movie about the European singing contest or something. I don't know much about it. but What's I'm it lo- called? Eurovision Song Contest. The story of Fire Saga. That sounds right. Uh, just came out. I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, as soon as you leave here. I'll probably watch it too, and maybe we can do a review of it for the next episode. It also has Rachel McAdams. I do like Rachel McAdams. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing we should mention, when we were interviewing Laura Summers, she talked about a show called, she said Hentrified. I'd I never heard of spelled that. spelled with a G. Like, I would probably pronounce it Gentrified. It's probably incorrect. So, Hentrified on Netflix, uh, she said was really good. And uh, we both agreed that she has pretty good taste, so maybe that's worth checking out too. Right on. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, man. Um, just to recap real quick, thanks again, Laura Summers, co-writer and director of Rich Kids, now streaming on Netflix. Check that out. Uh, do not check out Becky on Amazon unless you're some kind of weirdo. You know what I forgot to mention earlier, though? This actually has a 69 with the critics and 67 with the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. It seems a little high based on your recommendation. Well, maybe I'm the idiot. That's always a possibility. The Lennox Hill COVID episode, even if you haven't watched any of the rest of it, definitely worth checking out. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. History 101, Joe. I know oh, you yeah, want to yeah. forget about it. I literally just did. <laughs> I know. Mission we... accomplished. <laughs> I only talked about it three minutes ago. Ugh. Anyway, I thought that was a light binge. Sure. Check it out. Hey, recommend stuff to us. Binge or purge podcast at gmail.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I word. also want to give another shout out to listener Pat, who recommended Into the Night on Netflix. I have since recommended to other people, and they've listened to the last episode, contacted me, said how much they enjoyed it. There you go. Well, yeah, that's right? not surprising. It's a good show. Yeah, but Thanks. I mean, I like I like the feedback when we say something's good, and next thing I know, I'm getting inundated by people saying how much they liked it. So, it, you, know, you know, it validates us here. That's enough validation for me for the day. I'm sure. As always, we want to thank Just the Facts. You can follow Just the Facts on Instagram at the Jesse Greer. That's Jesse with a Y. So for Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binger Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.